Hi, this is Jack O'Halloran, and you're all about to listen to the All-Star Superfan Podcast. Going to have a lot of fun. Rocketed from a distant podcast to a bold new destiny online. Found by a cult following of fans and raised by social media pages. They learned they possessed the strength of steel, the speed of light, and the wire work to entertain all mankind. This is the All-Star Superfan Podcast. Hello and welcome to the All-Star Super Fan Podcast, the podcast that delves into the full 85-year legacy of the man and the boy of steel. In this world, I'm one of your hosts, Rob O'Connor, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, the kryptonite cop himself, Mr. Alan Burke. Check out our previous episodes where we've talked comics, movies, and TV shows, plus we've had a number of interviews with great comic book writers, animation directors, and actors from the Superman movies. This week, we were privileged and honoured to be joined by the star of a forgotten series that has mentioned quite a lot on our show, none other than Superboy himself, Mr. Gerard Christopher. Gerard will be appearing at Rhode Island Comic Con November 3rd through 5th, alongside some other Superman acting legends, including Brandon Routh, Tom Welling, Tyler Hecklin, and more. So be sure to check it out if you're in the area. We hope you enjoy this interview and be sure to let us know your thoughts. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at All Star Super Fan. Head to Twitter, you'll find us at All Star Super Pod. And don't forget to head to Facebook as well, where you can join the Inside the All Star Super Fan group to continue the discussion. Most importantly, we would really appreciate it if you could rate and review the show wherever you get it, especially on Apple Podcasts, as that will help people find the show. So welcome to All-Star Superfan Podcast, Gerard Christopher. Thank you for joining us. Hey, thank you. It's so nice to be here on the podcast. I'm honored to be talking with you. So tell me, just to start off, did you have any knowledge of Superman prior to being cast? Were you a fan of the films, the George Reeves show, for instance, or the comics or anything like that? I was. Um, When I was a kid, I used to watch all the George Reeves shows. That was my generation's, you know, Superman. And as a child, I mean, I would say as a child, as like a young man, before I got the show, like a few years, way before I, I did the show, people used to always tell me I looked like Superman, which I used to kind of blow blow off. I also met Christopher Reeve uh, socially in New York City because I grew up in New York City and he was there. And I met him and people used to always joke with me that I looked like Superman. So when I started acting and then... You know, when this role came up, it was just kind of weird that I just there was like something in my head that said, you know, this is kind of destined to happen. This is something I've always been told. But uh, yeah, George Reeves was a show that I watched all the time. But I did have that identity with Superboy or Superman when I was young. I didn't read the comics, though. I wasn't a comic book reader. Yeah, that's that's actually very similar to uh, the way I was introduced to the character. Did you enjoy the Christopher Reeve movies? Did you watch those before being cast or anything like that? Christopher Reeve, uh, yes, I did. He's the only, other than watching George Reeves as a, as a young guy, uh, Christopher Reeve movie was the only thing I, I looked at. 
I mean, I didn't look at his stuff like in depth right before I shot my show. I didn't look at anything. Um, I just kind of went for it and, you know, and, and but I had he, that, he, I had it in my, in the back of my head, you know, seeing all the years of, of George Reeves and, and the movies. It's interesting that you, you talk so much about George Reeves because I think your, your Superboy in particular was very physical. There was a lot of fight scenes, a lot of kind of fisticuffs and stuff like that. And George Reeves was definitely a lot like that. Do, do you remember that? Like, were you trying to kind of bring a bit of that into your, into your show? Well, you know what? Um, to be perfectly honest, there was a lot of I had a lot of disagreement with the people writing the show in the beginning and the and, the, and um, even with Ilya in the beginning, because I look at it this way. You know, if you look at George Reeves, I think the first episode was Superman and the Mole Men or something where he's dealing with yeah. these guys who live in the center of the earth. And I'm thinking if there's this superhero, the guy that really lives on the earth, right, this super alien guy. Is he really going to deal with somebody who like has an accident at, at the corner and help some old lady cross the street? Or is he going to get in, involved? Like if you were around today, would he get involved in the war in Ukraine or, you know what I mean? Would, would he be involved in something bigger? So my thinking was I wanted him to always be doing something bigger, you know, budgetary reasons. And I wasn't the right writing at the time in the first season. I had to just go with what they were doing. And some of it I didn't like, and I some I didn't like the way they lit the show. I didn't like the way that I would come in on a sunny day and my suit would be so bright and boom, I would land on the street. Yeah. I, I, we, I felt like I looked like a Christmas tree all the time. I wanted the show to look a little bit darker and I was moving mm. towards that more noir look for the show, which ended up happening, especially like in some of the episodes. Well, that that's really interesting that you'd said that. I'm sorry to skip ahead. Um about Superboy's role in the world, because you, you actually wrote an episode, uh, Wish for Armageddon, which yes. is exactly that. He, he gets uh, brainwashed and he starts, um, he starts attacking this, this kind of Soviet silo kind of thing, and it nearly instigates World War III. And there's this guy, he's this immortal kind of right. villain <laughs> yeah. who has this uh, tapestry. It's a really fascinating episode. I think, I think it's a really strong episode. Okay, do you mind talking a little bit? We'll, we'll get back into sort of the... Your, your origins with the character and, and all that kind of stuff. Can you talk a little bit about where that idea came from? Um, my dad was a pilot in World War II. He was a bomber pilot. I'm a pilot. And I always liked aviation. And because that, I always liked military aviation. So I'm really very big into military aviation. Like I pretty much know all the aircraft in the American military and a lot of in the foreign military. I'm into that. And I'm always, you know, always into like, military history like i'm a bit of a world war ii history buff um so that stuff was always on my mind and then moving forward with the cold war which i grew up with that was always on my mind as a kid you know i grew up in new york city where we'd have air air raid sirens and all this stuff going off and i always thought you know like what's how close are we to nuclear war all the time so i felt like that was a great place to kind of go from and the show i don't remember exactly when i wrote that one but in 1991, that's when the Berlin Wall came down. That's when the Soviet Union started mm -hmm. coming down. But, you know, the Soviet Union was like a perfect kind of villain, a perfect launch point, a perfect thing in my head to, like, be writing something like that with. Um, the other character, the guy who is the evil character, he comes, yeah. he's a biblical character. And I think, I, I don't want to get it wrong and misquote, but, um, you know, I'm sure your readers who are into the Bible might know apparently one of the people that lashed Jesus when he was being scourged, right? I heard that 
there I it may be in the Bible or it may just be a story, but uh, that this person was condemned to walk the earth until the end of time, until the end of the world. Okay, because he yeah. did that, and I thought that this was kind of an interesting character to use, someone who needs the end of the world to end so he can finally you know be out of his misery. And was that something that you campaigned for to kind of contribute more to the writing process of the show? Or did they approach you to do that? Had you had you experienced uh, writing before Superboy? You know, I took a writing in college um, and I, you know, was writing. Um, I think I probably talked to them about it. Um, they liked that story instant instantly. I mean, as soon as I wrote it, yeah. they were like all on board with it. They loved it. Um, I wanted to write more. Um, I had my name on one more, but I was supposed to do a third at least. I just didn't have the time. DC Comics also asked me to write comic books for them. And they gave me what they call a comic book kit. They gave you, it's almost like their Bible for, you know, how they write them. And uh, I didn't have the time to do that either. So that's one of my regrets because I kind of wish that I, they wanted me to write a few comic books and I, I regret that I didn't. I probably should have just scale down you know the one the, the one thing that i wrote there and kind of make that a comic book but um that that's a regret that i have that i just didn't have the time to do everything and and i have to add actually gerard the the the, the tie-in comic book for the superboy series it was literally called superboy the comic book was really really good and i, I you've probably seen this you're, you're on the cover of the first issue yeah i think um, i have it here it's on the wall somewhere it's right over there yeah, because there's very there's very few live action covers, especially of that year. I think, am I right? Rob Christopher Reeve was in a Superman three one, and John yeah. John Wesley Ship was a li had a live cover for the Flash comic, and and yours is, is another one, um, Gerard. It's yeah, it's it's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, just to, to go back to the beginning of the show, how did you first learn that the role had been uh, was being recast? Did you did were you approached, or did it just go out for auditions? Or my agent just, my agent called me. And she said, hey, I've got this audition for you. And it's Superman. I just went, whoa, okay. <laughs> and uh, just like that, um, I had no idea. And you may know that there was a, a guy who uh, played the role yeah. for one season and they fired him. Mm -hmm. When mm -hmm. that was cast, I didn't know about it. So it's it's kind of a shame. And, and the failing of my agent that they didn't tell me about the first casting, right? So I could have carried the thing, whole thing through, but... Yeah, I just heard about it just like a regular audition, went on it. And what I didn't know is from the second I auditioned for it, it um, she thought I was it. And she, you know, got a hold of Ilya Salkin and he met me and I had the job, but I just didn't know it. You know, they don't tell you that they really want you for something because yeah, obviously the price goes up. Right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah, yeah. they played, played me pretty much peanuts the first season. But then after that, I had I had. Uh, I had leverage on them after that. Yeah, I watched the promotional, there's a promotional video on YouTube of kind of your announcement, almost like a James Bond being announced. With the oh, yeah. There and you came out of the telephone that you can see that on YouTube. It's uh, it's great. Um, was there was there kind of I know you came in to season two with a, a kind of a new cast as well. I mean, there was new Lex, uh, new Lex Luthor and, and, and stuff in, in Sherman Howard. But was it kind of more difficult to step into the role, having it been kind of at, at the beginning of the second season rather than, say, coming in on in, in, in the pilot? Um, good question. But for me, not at all. I'll tell you why, because I didn't see one of the episodes before I said okay. this guy in my mind. I said this guy got fired. 
Um, yeah. I don't want to do anything he did because he got fired. So I want to do this my way. And I was going to carry forward the way I wanted to do it, which was more like Christopher Reeve. You know, the first season of my show was kind of Clark was very slapstick. He was in college and all yeah. that stuff. So I kind of did a lot of the goofy stuff that Chris Reeve did that um, the more slapstick comedy and the more goofy comedy, which I enjoyed. But, you know, I wanted to get out of that pretty quickly for the reasons I was telling you. You know, yeah. this guy, if there's a... I believe in aliens, you know, I'm an alien and I believe in aliens. So, but, um, if there were a superhero alien on the, on the earth, you know, what is he going to do? So he, yeah. he wouldn't be probably goofing around in college either. Right. So he'd be, he'd have a bigger role Absolutely. in the world. <laughs> Absolutely. And can I ask you, right? Like, um, I want to touch on a couple of things you said there. You mentioned the lighting. You mentioned the characterization of Clark and how you wanted that to change. Right. When you go from season two, which is still kind of a fun, very bright, you know, it's a little bit campy. It's very, you know, it, it, it's skewed at a, at a young audience. And then you go to season three. It's like a completely different show. Like from the from the word go, it, it's lit darker. It's more noirish. It's much more timeless. Clark's characterization is much more kind of grounded and a bit more human. Um, can you talk to me about what that seismic change was about? Like, what was it behind the scenes? Was it you? Was it... The Sawcoins was was it Julia Pistor who I believe came on at that stage? What well, brought about all those changes? That's a good question. You know, I had been screaming about it for a long time. It's like I, I don't want to be lit like a Christmas tree. I was always telling them I wanted to be more noir. I don't know if they it, it was because of me. You know, it also coincided that the movie Batman came out around that time yes. too, and Batman was dark and it kind of had a very different kind of um, uh, very interesting noir kind of feeling for it that i think was very attractive and kind of worked really well and um i know that like i said i know that i was very vocal about changing things whether or not i was the reason i doubt it maybe mine was just one of the voices maybe my voice just kind of awakened somebody else to think hey it is a good idea and it, it happened but the other show that I wrote, like Wish for Armageddon, was very noir, too. So I just mm. felt like, you know, it's where it needed to go. I was one of the voices. To be honest, I don't know exactly who flipped the switch and said this is the way it's going. But uh, I'm glad it happened. Because by, by kind of season three and season four, you're, you're basically playing Superman in yes. anything but name you know you, yeah. you really are the superman character you're with lana lang you're working for the bureau and stuff like the, the, is that how you approached it as basically that you were you were superman just you know called superboy because of rights issues or whatever yeah yeah and it, and it was it was all about the rights you know warner brothers was holding back because i think they they saw down the road they wanted to do superman hmm. and uh yeah for me it was superman i was like not holding back uh, who was a young guy who was young superman and of course i was limited by the scripts that i had it would have been more fun if we had a bigger budget it would have been more fun if they could kind of expand past you know some of the stories they were doing because they were doing yeah. a lot of these stories that some people liked but you know they weren't really my thing like mm -hmm. some of these things that came from the comic books like mixus pitalik and uh yeah and all this stuff like with dolls that were like you know Oh, yeah. Scary stuff and all that stuff, which I know that there's an audience for, but it was not my, that wasn't what I saw for the role yeah. at all. 
I, I can't I, I I know that episode you're talking about. I can't remember what it's called, but I yeah, there's a scene in that where your face is covered or something. Yes. It's like you have no face. Do you yes. remember filming that? Well I think that that's what this comes from. I did have no face and that's why they made me this. This oh, okay, wow. right. <laughs> uh, and, for the uh, listeners, I had to wear this is like the, the only li- one that looks perfect that I think is left and that I have. Um, for, for those for those listening, Jared uh, has a, an amazing um, collection room, and he, he just lifted down a, a, a kind of a face mask of of his face during that time. It's it's yeah, it's incredible. Gerard, I want to. I was going to ask you this later on, but I have to ask it now because it's it's so relevant to what you're talking about about the budgets and about the Superboy slash Superman side of things. Um, there there is a script out there written by Carrie Bates, who wrote an awful lot of episodes of Superboy. And the rumor going around is that the Salkines had the movie rights, but not the TV rights. They had the movie rights back for Superman in the early 90s. And they were trying to get financing for a movie called Superman, the new movie. And the word on the street on the internet for the longest time is that you were considered for that. Did this ever cross your desk? Did, did you hear anything about this or any truth to this? Or is it just a, is it a hearsay? Yeah. No, it's true. So Ilya okay, used to well. always tell me, you know, he's got this thing. He's trying to get it produced. You know, the thing is, um, and I love Ilya. He hired me. Um, yeah. His, um, he, he's the kind of producer who's like, he talks a lot and he would always, okay. he's a promoter. So mm-hmm. he would say things that are happening before they're happening. So I kind of took it, you know, with a grain of salt. I mean, I wanted it to happen. I would have done it in a heartbeat. And he wanted me to do it, but it just never materialized. Okay. He couldn't get the money. Um, I don't know if he actually had the rights at that time. I believe there yeah. was a script that was written, but uh, those things, like I said, are complicated. Yeah. No, absolutely. It it it's on it's online, by the way. It's a, it's a fun script. Brainiac is in it. There's loads of stuff going on. It, it would have. Oh, you read movie. it? Yeah. You read it? Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I I I think I believe at one stage they were looking at it to be Superman Five. And then I think later on they were kind of like, well, no, let's do a reboot and let's let's have Gerard Christopher in there and have it be Superboy become Superman kind of thing. But well, the end, I, the, I, I, you yeah. know, the last the last show of my series, I became Superman. I don't know if you got that yes. far. Right to passage, yeah, yeah. So it would have been a shoe in, and you know, for that reason too, I don't know if you know that I was originally kind of chosen in the room for the role of uh, Lois and Clark in Lois and Clark, right? Yes, yes, we've heard okay. that. Yeah, I went on the audition for Lois and Clark. And um, I remember I was with the casting director and she knew who I was. And I just said, you know, if the producers that you're going to bring me into for any reason, if you didn't tell them in advance that I've done this before and if they don't know me by my face, please don't tell them who I am. I just don't want them to know I ever did this. So I went in the room and as far as they knew, I was just some other actor that she brought in. I read for it. And in the room, they said, we got it. This is our guy. And there's excitement and they're yelling and they're all screaming and people are going in and out of the room and they're talking to people. They're getting on the phone and I'm in the room and they're keeping me there for a long time. And I said, wow, this is cool. This is great. I did this and, you know, I I was able to just bring it and boom, right away, sight unseen without these guys knowing who I am. I just got this. And then the guy who was the head producer, I don't remember his name. He goes, who are you? He says, what have you done? And he picks up my resume and I didn't take it off my resume. And he just throws it down on the table like this. And he goes, you've done this already. And he throws a fucking tantrum (laughs) in front of everybody else. And I just said, oh boy, okay. So this thing's unraveling, this sucks. But 
Mm. And would you uh, would you have been happy to continue kind of in a different iteration like that to continue with the with the character and the I know it would have been different in Lois and Clark, but would you have been happy to spend another three, four, five years playing? Oh yeah, I mean because the budget was much bigger, and because I would have had a lot more possibilities. I mean. When I was doing Superboy 2, I got them to give me a contract to direct. And the show I was going to direct wasn't made, but it was canceled, so they paid me. But, I mean, with a bigger budget with a with Warner Brothers, I mean, the sky's the limit. I would have yeah. started right away saying, I'm writing, I'm directing. Yeah. My career would have gone in a different direction. And you might say, well, you know, that's maybe not good for your career to do Superman for all that time. But I think... Superboy was one audience and Lois and Clark was part of that audience and then another audience. So Absolutely. in that, you know, I, 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 I would have wanted it. So, you know, mm. I'm fine. I'm fine with the Dean got it. I'm glad that's fine. But uh, <laughs> I would have wanted it. I would have done it in a heartbeat. Sure. I have to pick up on something you said. You you mentioned the budget of Lois. We we are big, admittedly, as much as we love Superboy, we love Lois and Clark as well. The budget was a lot bigger. One thing they didn't do better than Superboy was the flying, the wire work. Absolutely. It was way, way better in Superboy. No kidding. And now, I, I need to ask you about that because I get the impression that while it was better, that came at a cost. Um, um, and that it was very, very dangerous. Yeah, the cost was that the guys who flew me were a bunch of guys from across the pond from your side of the field over there and uh, yeah. a bunch of total alcoholics. So I was just <laughs> hoping these guys were partiers and they were the same guys that worked on the Superman movies that Ilya yeah. hired them for. Yeah. They were great guys, but man, these guys were partiers. They used to hit it hard. I mean, after shooting, they'd be like at this bar called Bennigan's and they'd be like swilling it down every night and you know they were just they were they partied hard these guys but they were a lot of fun that's really funny because there's that line in superman the movie where he goes i, I never drink when i'm flying or whatever oh it's my like, god meanwhile, oh my god in real life no these guys these guys were really good at what they did they they kind of knew exactly what they're doing they you know they they had done it before so we started with you know our, our feet hitting the ground right away and you were you were obviously you said you mentioned it on you know you have an affinity for aviation and that and as did Christopher Reeve he was a pilot himself um but I didn't know that. I know that Christopher suffered a lot of kind of oh yeah he, yeah he 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 flew regularly yeah um but he suffered and would have complained about you know um back pain and disc pain as a result of all the wire work at the time in the four movies did you suffer injuries was there ever anything like that Zero. With you I mean to this day I'm 64 I don't have so. one pain in my body you're 64? 64. Is that, the listeners can't hear this. G Gerard Christopher does not look like a 64-year-old man, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Chris, uh, Gerard Christopher would put put most four-year-olds to shame, I have to say. No, um, I, well I work out hard. <laughs> well I work out hard. I still got wow. the six-pack. I still, I work out hard. I work out really hard. Excellent. Excellent. Um, well, speaking of that and your physique um, and your, your, your build on that, like the the Superman suit that you wore was very similar to that, or very inspired by the Christopher yeah. Reeve suit. Um, what was that like? You know, costume fittings, putting that on for the first time. Did you feel like you were the character once you wore that that yeah. cape? It know? actually does that. It does. You feel like a little bit transformed when you put it on, and uh, yeah. it's just like you know you do an audition and you're playing the character and you're just you dress like this and it's that's one thing when you're on the set and you're kind of putting yourself in the scene and you're also dressed like that, it's kind of easy to just do it. It's just easy to get right there and this is real. It's very cool. I've heard you... 
I've heard you talk about that you weren't able to sweat in the suit, which to me, when you watch the show, it was clearly filmed in Florida and they look like very, very hot days. Well, let me tell you a little bit about that. (laughs) The power of the human mind. I just used to tell myself, (laughs) you are not going to sweat. And I just used to try to concentrate on being calm, you know, offset. They used to put me in air conditioning as much as they could. They also, when we were outside, they'd put a fan out there and have me in front of a fan. But I just literally used to concentrate on being calm and not sweating. And I'm not a big sweater, so I didn't have a problem. So you never saw like sweat. And I'm sure like there were outtakes with other actors where there was. But I never had a problem like that because he he couldn't sweat. There were a lot of limitations. They wouldn't let me cross my arms. I couldn't do this, mm, which okay. I think Christopher Reeve did in one or two of his movies. I think he did it several times. Yeah. Um, they didn't want any lines here in the suit. So they wanted the suit okay. to look like kind of like it's molded on you as much as they could all the time. So okay. things like that affect your acting. So when you know you can't, you have to be conscious of your clothes when you're acting. It kind of like, uh, it limits you a little bit. It limits you a lot. But that's just something I had to deal with. Excellent. And did you prefer, say, when you were on set and you were you were filming the parts, did you prefer playing Clark or Superboy? Was like the fact you had to wear the suit and the 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 wire work and everything? Did that kind of put you off the Superboy element of it more? Was it was it? Did you get more enjoyment or fulfillment out of the? Some Clark of your questions are so great. I mean, nobody ever asked me this stuff. <laughs> um, nobody's ever asked me that. Um, I would say no. I enjoyed playing Superboy. Um, the only thing I dreaded was sometimes like because I had a thermometer in my trailer that said what the temperature was outside. So I kind of knew what to deal with sometimes. So psychologically, I said, Mm. oh, shit, it's like 98 degrees outside or it's 95 degrees outside, really high humidity. So I knew what I was going out to. But I always liked playing that character. It was more comfortable wearing Clark's clothes because they were regular clothes. But I Mm -hmm. always enjoyed the character Superboy much, much more. You mean you didn't actually wear the suit under Clark's clothes all the time? <laughs> Sorry. Um, I, 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 I mentioned earlier on that, you know, that, that there's there's so many kind of like fight scenes. You're fighting monsters. You're fighting Bizarro. You're getting punched through walls. And uh, like, did, 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 I know it's 30 years ago. Like, is, is there any of those kind of moments that's, that stick out or, or any injuries or any any weird mishaps that, that happened on the set that you like to talk about? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you, too. Um, one was, and I forgot the episode. It was, um, it's involving Bizarro where I don't know if they made Bizarro. It's one of the Bizarro episodes and they have me in this. It's not a cylinder. It's actually like a a loose sight box. And I think they're trying to transfer something from me to him or something. I don't remember. To be human season four. Maybe, maybe, maybe. (laughs) And I'm in this box and they fill it up with smoke. But there's supposed to be a barrier. So there's supposed to be like six or eight inches of lucite on the inside. And the smoke is just supposed to go there. So it doesn't come in and get me, right? So basically, they smoke up this box. And I don't know what the smoke was. I don't know if it was the normal peanut oil that they used or whatever. But it got me high. And I fell. And I, boom, and I knocked the whole set down. I just fell and Jeepers. knocked everything down. Wow. Jeepers. That was a real Jimmy Olsen right there. <laughs> so, And um, another good one was we were shooting. I don't remember this episode. We They used to film me, uh, shoot me outdoors. And I did some really cool flying out, outside that was really enjoyable. Because oh, yeah. they used to have a crane. And they used to make it go up and travel at the same time. So I could really do fun stuff. 
So they took this crane and got like double use out of it. They put it on a bridge. So we're on a bridge. They swing it to the side. I've got nothing below me. There's maybe a river or something way down there. And there's sky above. And you're in Florida, which is, I think they call it the lightning capital of the world. And there's a storm coming in. And I'm connected with wires to a 200-foot crane. <laughs> and my <laughs> stunt guy, who's supposed to be my safety officer, who was a real jerk, um, was sitting below and I could see him and he's got some girl on his lap and he was always like chatting up the girls and flirting with the girls instead of doing his job. <laughs> and I got him fired after this. So this was, this oh, was wow. it. So he, well, it was actually, I got him fired after the other incident because the, one of them, like I just said, that's it. You know, you're not, mm. you're not my safety officer. Yeah. So, um, I thought I was going to get struck by lightning. And I said, well, you got to wrap this thing. So they ended up filming it first and then bringing me down. It wasn't like, okay, let's bring them down and let this storm clear. <laughs> they sure filmed it. So they weren't really doing a great job keeping me safe. Yikes. Stuff breaking through um, walls and stuff. That was all fun. That was all just a good time. Never got hurt. It was all just fun. You mentioned the, the 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 episode there. I mentioned to be human. I had the guy who played a meal from RoboCop, and and actually Superboy. Surprisingly, for 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 a show that was filmed on a low budget, it had some amazing guest stars. Yeah. Um. I did, yeah. I, I want to ask you about one in particular, but is was there any? And I know. Um. I believe the actress's name was Betsy Russell. Yeah. Was in, in, a, in a movie with you, Tomboy. Yeah. Um. Was there any other kind of guest stars that that really uh, you really liked working with that you would like to talk about? I would say you know. They were all really nice, but if I'm really going to be honest and say who was my favorite, um, it was probably um, Ron Ely. Ron Ely. And Ron is this big, tall guy. He was big, tall, handsome guy, maybe six foot four. Big, tall guy. And really, really nice. And this guy, he played my father, but he was on set was like my he was acting like my father. He was giving me advice. He, he, play, he played the alternate Superman from a different universe, wasn't it? um he played the real one he played my father yeah. this other guy played an alternate that was um george lazenby who was another character who was a real character i loved him too um, i want to ask you about george lazenby in a second oh I, good god uh, he go was ahead. he was a riot but um ron ely <laughs> was just this very cool guy who gave me real advice about playing the care not about doing the character but about my career and stuff and he just was this very cool guy who I, I kind of wish I had kept in touch with. I think I had his number. He still lives in Santa Barbara. He's had a very tragic life. I don't know if you heard what happened with him, but what a nice guy. And, what a nice guy. And of course, he played Tarzan, which is this, yeah. you know, at, at that time would have would have had a similar sort of longstanding media legacy as Superman. Like, did he have yeah. any kind of interesting thing to kind of pass down to you? Any no, unfortunately, no, no. And unfortunately... I never saw him on Tarzan, so I didn't know anything to ask him, you know. I wasn't always a big fan, and some of the people on the shows that I worked with, I mean, I wish I kind of um, knew their body of work better to talk to them and to kind mm -hmm. of get things from them, but no, I didn't. I know Rob Rob is dying to ask you about George Lazenby. I'm a huge James Bond fan, and in fact, Honor Majesty's Secret Service is my favorite James Bond film. Really? Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't think Lazenby is the best Bond, but I think that is the best film, best James But you Bond know what? Film. In fairness to him, I mean, he did what they gave him. I mean, the script was the yeah. script. And I think I've seen that movie a couple of times. I think he did a really reasonable 
good job absolutely yeah no he's surprisingly he was like a car salesman like and right. then they hired this guy no i'll I, tell I you he's really good if you knew this guy if you met him you'd see why they hired the guy he's the most okay. charming guy you've ever met in your life i don't know if he still mm -hmm. is because he's unfortunately he's had tragedy in his life too um okay he was the most charming but unbelievably by today's standards incredibly rude guy you've ever met okay. like he oh, would I've say well, oh, right, okay. but he used to make me okay. fall out of, <laughs> used to make me fall out of my chair because he was okay. so funny like the stuff right. that he would say was un yeah. was unbelievable well it was a different time <laughs> and he was james oh, bond he could, you would you'd be fired instantly for what he says now yeah In instantly well i have to, to talking about or speaking to uh, other actors who appeared in the show i have to ask you uh, you mentioned earlier on that the previous actor who played superboy clark kent was was let go before season two as was the previous lex luthor but you uh you went up against uh, an amazing lex luthor in in sherman howard what was that like what was it like working with sherman howard he was good he made it fun i mean he made it um he made it believable for me he made it he just made it more real because he was very big as you probably know, he was yeah. very big in the way he did it. And he was he's a really good actor. And whenever you're playing with a yeah. good actor, it elevates your work. And it just it elevated me. But I will tell you, some of the most fun I had playing super in, in my show, wearing the costume was not being Superboy. So I was wearing the costume okay. once, the body swap. But they took what is that? There's a body swap episode where you're playing Lex Luthor. Is that what you're talking about? Yes, that was one of the most fun times that I had where I could be a bad guy because most actors will tell you if you're going to play a good guy or a bad guy, they're going to want to play a bad guy. There's a lot more you can do with it. It's a lot more fun. And, you know, yeah. you feel bottled up when you're a good guy. There's not a lot you can do. You're bottled up. You're like, uh -uh. you have barriers all around you. You have to be good, right? But when you are doing body swap where, where I'm Lex Luthor in my body, I had a great time. Another time I could think of where that happened too similarly was in um, – that one road's not taken road's not taken where road's not taken i killed Thanks lex luther although they don't show you him me doing it i killed him and i talk about killing him with my x-ray vision i cut him in half yeah, myself and Robin were talking earlier on. We we're wondering, by any chance, you hardly have that headstone by any chance, do you? Like, here lies Lex Luthor no, killed by Superboy. No. We were both saying, we'd, we'd to love that. to own that no prop. Idea what happened to that. <laughs> that, that? That's such an iconic episode, and it's so ahead of its time. The whole, like, you know, talk about the multiverse. Like, the multiverse I, began I was at with the lunch, Superboy show. I was at lunch yesterday, and there's a dinner, excuse me. I was at a I don't do that many anymore, like in this area where I live here, but I was at a benefit dinner, like one of these black tie affairs last night. And there's a doctor sitting across from me on the table and he's telling these ladies next to him about the multiverse theory. And I'm like, hmm, really? I know something <laughs> about that. So, I mean, yeah, this was well, you 30 were the, years ago and this oh, was in like, our show. You were the first. Yeah, you were the you were one of the first of especially live definitely live action rob yeah. I'd say. Oh, 100%. I, I don't first? think there was ever a George Reeves episode where he went to an alternate universe. Oh, so God, no. You're, you're, yeah, that, that's the first time they ever did that. And it must have been very strange reading that script at the time. Was it going, okay, so I'm playing three different Superboys and there's a portal and it's different dimensions? And no, it's kind of fun. What was your reaction? Fun. I yeah. thought it was very cool. It was like great. It was like really great thinking. It was very imaginative. I thought, okay, this is where, you know, I'm also into, honest to God, into aliens. I mean, I believe in aliens. Mm. I believe in alien life. I believe they're okay. here. I believe they go back and forth. I believe all that stuff. And I always did. Yeah. So that kind of fit in. And I think 
my idea of the universe is very inclusive. It's like, I'm okay with believing that there are many universes, that multiple universe theory. I believe in all of it because we don't know anything. I mean, if you know what Skinner, Skinwalker yeah. Ranch is. Yes. So if you see some of these TV shows in America, then I'm sure they're syndicated now or they're, they're out there on the internet about Skinwalker Ranch and the the research they've done there. There are ghosts there that they've documented on video, on everything. They've had scientists there. This place has vortexes that they can't understand that are magnetic things. There are so many things, they're phenomenon that they documented with scientists. And they still don't know what to do with this stuff. And they still don't know what to make of it. Things go in, they go out, they disappear through the vortex. And they've seen it. If you watch the shows about this stuff, you're looking at scientists going like, what the hell just happened? They don't even know how to explain it. So when I saw that, I just said, I mean, I didn't know anything about Skinwalker Ranch back then, but mm. I just thought this is cool. It's imaginative. It's got science in it. A lot of people might say, hey, this is pseudoscience, but I thought it was very mm -hmm. interesting and uh, kind of way ahead of the curve. I know that some of Rob's favorite episodes, and we're in the month for it now, the Halloween episodes, kind of, you know, the darker ones. Did you have, would your, say, your interest in that kind of stuff, kind of, you know, this kind of, you know, say, the, the darker elements of nature or of science, did you have any influence in the in the writing of those no. or the, 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 the making of those episodes no. at all? You know what? We all kind of wrote them in a bubble. So if you were hired mm -hmm. to write something, you just did it yourself and there was no real input from anybody. Because, uh, you know, we are in Halloween at the moment. Uh, and I, I, when I was kind of going back watching episodes, I realized, wow, there's a lot of horror-themed episodes. You, you you go up against Count Dracula like more than once. Right. There's a werewolf episode. <laughs> right. There's multiple kind of poltergeisty type episodes. Count Dracula, um, I've got I've got my teeth right here. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> He's got the teeth. They're right <laughs> here within reach. He's I've got, up these, wow. are, these are some of my teeth that I can plug into my mouth right now. But yeah, these are some of my old teeth right here. Oh, wow. I have multiple, Amazing. multiple teeth, multiple shades. And this is, um, oh because this is even, this is even my mouth here, the bottom of my mouth that needed to pop these on. Oh, very cool. I should just pop them on and display it like that instead of leaving it in a plastic bag. <laughs> um, it, and that reminds me as well, the, the show was filmed in Orlando, which is unusual. And it was also filmed on Universal Studios. And I saw you post something on Instagram a while ago where you actually returned yeah. to one of the common street sets yes. that they used a lot on Superboy. Can yes. you talk a bit about That must have been kind of an emotional return, was it? Yes, it was. I was actually there with my family. And I still know there's a lady that um, used to work in on the production who now is the president. I think she's the president of the studio. So this lady really went up in her career. And I mean, I assume she's getting close to retirement, but she's super nice. And I call her and she gets me in with my family and just gives us the, like the red carpet treatment. And uh, we can we have our way around the park. She gave my kids like a tour of the soundstage. It wasn't actually my soundstage. She made a mistake. She got the keys to the wrong soundstage. Oh, <laughs> but still, it was the soundstage right next to mine. So I said to my kids, yeah, this was mine. Um but uh, yeah, it was really, it was emotional. It was kind of cool to say, man, 30 years ago, I remember exactly what we were doing here. And I remember even yelling at some people there that, uh, you know, one thing that I haven't really said much in, in an interview, but when you're wearing a costume like that and you have your crew there, 
when you're working, like right before you're working, if people make jokes and they're at your expense, like, mm. I don't know how to say this, but like if they make fun of the character or make fun of the costume right before you're, you're trying to do something, that's really not a good thing. So yeah. I remember yeah. right there where you're talking about um, in that in that set, somebody who worked on the crew and I don't remember who it was said something really he shouldn't have said that kind of took me out of the character, made me feel kind of foolish for a minute. And then I said to him, I said, you know, you just got to get out of here. You just you just yeah. got to get out of here for a minute because yeah. you just are messing with my head right now, because to play that role, you have to believe that and you have to be 100 yeah. percent. And if somebody messes with your head, um, it's just not a good thing. So I'm, that's it, what it I remember it takes from that. You out of it. I, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And you, to, to be fair, you can always tell, like, we've interviewed um, um, some, you know, like I said, other actors from the films and stuff. And, you know, we're, obviously we're big fans of the franchise. And you can always tell, even listening to interviews and watching other interviews, you can always tell the actors who, um, who, who give the necessary weight to the character and to the franchise and to that universe. And it really comes across, like, we, we've mentioned a few times that it's been 30 years, but it, it's very evident from, from speaking with you that you look back on this time very fondly and that it was a great experience because sometimes you, you know you talk to actors and they they look back on something and they look down on it or they're not happy about it but it really does shine through um gerard talking to you how much you really really did enjoy this this part and this role yeah you know what there's not a lot that um a lot of people especially kids like have to grab onto like a hero certainly women the yeah. women didn't have like a, a a superhero like forever right and now they they yeah. now they do have some but you know what? To I just don't think they should be messed with, like, and they should be respected. I mean, this was a kind of a, a very cool character that was created, a, a real, just at the right time that people needed him. When you think of when Superman, you know, look at the world. You know, you had World War Two. Mm -hmm. The world came out of a depression. Then there was World War Two in Europe, and yeah. the big mess in the world. And you know, this was a character that people could look up to at a time when people needed something like that. And you know, I know that there's a lot of, I don't know if you use the same word that we use here, woke. There's a lot of very woke yeah. mentality mm -hmm. right now. And a lot of people want to change everything that, like, from the past. All this legacy stuff, they want to say, this is bad, this is bad, I want to change this. And let's face it, something should be needed to be changed, but something shouldn't be messed with yeah. at all. I mean, if you have a character, Superman, and he is the way he is, I think they should just leave him alone and let him, you know, be that character. If you want to create another character and make him a different race, make him a different sexuality, make him a different anything, create that character, make him a different character. They don't have to mess with everything and tweak it use your imagination and just make something different make something different and, and i i think they've kind of taken that on now in the comics that they have the main superman who is just unchanged and he's married to lois lane and and that's fine and then they have all these other other sort of supermen and women in the comics as well so so kind of everybody has someone that they can gravitate to so it's kind of a big i mean i do um, i do see that i do see that and i see i see that mm -hmm. why they would do that but there's a part of me too that just makes me think, you know, is this a lack of imagination on these guys' parts that they have to change mm -hmm. him? Because mm -hmm. I think sometimes when they do that, they mess with the their legacy character and the minds of everybody that like the legacy character. I don't know. And 
say speaking to 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 legacy in general it's it's over 30 years now since the show since the show finished um looking back on it are you happy with where it stands or do you think it kind of deserves more attention than it it might have i know like over on this side of the pond it's it's very hard to get superboy or to watch superboy like you have to get those dvds from 2006 um and if you can't get them and they're they're very expensive to you know to get from the states because they're mostly second market wow. now um but do you do you you can't stream it over here unless you kind of use a VPN really? and watch it through you know yeah. the states or anything like that. So, like when you, looking back now, thirty years later, how do you feel looking back on it? Do you think it deserves more recognition? Well, let me address first your 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 what your statement about streaming. Here, you can stream mm. it everywhere. It's available on Amazon. Oh, wow. It's available on Apple. It's available. I mean, it's a, we have something called Freebie. I think it's on there. It's free. So there's so many places to get it here. I'm surprised. I think, that... I think you might be able to. I think you might be in the, if you live in the UK, you might be able to buy the episodes on Amazon. I think you can get it that way. But you no, def- but you can even get them Ireland. for free here. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a shame that know. people can't get them. Do I think it was underrated? I think yes, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, as a matter of fact, somebody sent me something once, and it's me pointing like this as Superboy, and he said, "Yes, I'm the most underrated Superman in history," or something like that. Um, which I can send to you. It's pretty funny. Um, you know, my friend Hillary, who I think spoke to one of you guys to set this up. Mm. Yeah. Hillary is like kind of like a super fan and she's pretty amazing. Um, really, a really terrific girl. And, um, she's the one who kind of has been putting in my head and I'm listening. She said, you know, Gerard, cause she knows that there's going to be this big, uh, con, this convention in Rhode Island where they're bringing in all these super guys, yeah. which is going to be really exciting. And she told me, she said, you know, if it wasn't for you and your show, none of these shows would exist. And I said, oh, really? How's that? So she makes a, a very cogent argument, argument, or at least she thinks it is, right? That because of the timing of stuff, you know, there was Superman, George Reeves, and then there was Christopher Reeve in the movies, and then there was a hiatus. My show jump-started and kind of revived the Superman kind of franchise. She thinks that it did. Mm. And she thinks that all these other shows, that's, that's all these very... other iterations came from mine. And if you want like somebody to interview, she'd be a good person to interview. She'd probably be better than me because she knows more about my show <laughs> than I do. Well, that's that's a very good point, actually, because, you know, the show started up in what year? 1989. You had you had Superboy for four seasons. Then you had Lois and Clark. Then you had the animated series. Then you're into Smallville, which went on for 10 exactly. seasons. So really, there, there was an unbroken chain from 1989 straight up to at least 2011. Yes. That's that. Yeah, that's 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 an excellent point. Um, you you spoke there briefly about your convention. Just to, to talk about that, uh, you you have an upcoming well, a big convention, the the the, the Rhode Island Comic Con, which is on November third to fifth, and you're not going to be alone at that uh, convention. I don't think, Gerard. There's going to be some other uh, cape. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I, I will be the I will be the granddaddy of the of the group, but they are all going to be my younger pre, my younger guys who are actually came after, um, with the exception I think of uh, Henry Cavill. Yeah, so it's basically every live action Superman who's who's still with us today, uh, bar Henry Cavill, is going to be at Rhode Island yep. Comic Con from November third to fifth. Have you met any of these guys before? Um, met Dean briefly. Um, Tom Welling, I've met you know a couple of times. We did a show together. Um, Brandon Ralph, I met at the premiere of his movie. Really nice guy. Um, I never met uh, Hoagland. <clears throat> 
So I think he's Heckling, yeah. he's the only, he's the only one I haven't met. Uh, you you mentioned Tom Welling uh, there, Gerard. I I do have to point this out, and and you can make this point to him. There are more than a few like really similar episodes of Smallville where I'm kind of going, hang on a second, they took that from Superboy. There's there's an episode of Smallville where a guy uh, changes his face to look like a different person and puts uh, pl- puts acid on his vocal cords, just like Lex Luthor did in Superboy. Right. right. There's an episode where Superboy, where Clark and Lex are stuck in a mine and they have to talk about their feelings. Oh, mind games! What a just, great episode! Just like an episode of Superboy. Yeah. There's alternate universes, just like in Superboy. Yeah. There's a ton. There's a vamp. There's a vampire episode, just like in Superboy. Oh God! So ne- next time you see Tom Welling, you you gotta ask him were your writers watching <laughs> Superboy because there's a bunch of very very similar episodes. <laughs> well, you know, also Dean Show. There were a bunch. Of they yeah, true. They, they yeah. took a lot of stories from us too. So. You know what? At the end of the day, yeah, the, the you, know, of- you have a guy who's invulnerable. It's like, what can you do? So you always have to say, yeah. how, how are we going to take away this guy's powers and make him vulnerable so we have a show? Vampires. So yeah. it's got to be supernatural or it's got to be something. I mean, a nuclear weapon's not going to hurt him. It's like, it's got to be something else. Mind control. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a limited number of things that you can do to this guy, right? Do. I, I have to ask as well before you go... Um, the, the show ran for 100 episodes, and there, there are conflicting reports as to whether it was supposed to continue on after that. Mm. And you, you mentioned that, that there was an episode you were supposed to direct. And I, I know that DC Comics, I believe, stopped commissioning scripts or something like that. Can you um, talk about why why this show kind of came to an end? What what was that all about? And, and was there plans to continue it beyond season four that you know of? Okay, so... At the end of the show, when we were wrapping up, I will tell you that they took our sets. They they struck our sets, but they saved them because they were oh, wow. some ambiguity about whether or not we were going to go on again. Right. And I know that we all wanted to. The problem was when we had scripts, they had to be approved by by DC Comics and Warner Brothers. Right. They stopped approving any more scripts. So basically we hit a wall and basically they just said that's it without really saying you're you're done they said that's it and i i'm sure they did that because they were going to do lois and clark so they already mm-hmm. had that i don't even know if it was in pre-production by the end of our show but certainly i remember reading for it it wasn't too long after my show wrapped that i read for for uh, lois and clark so they wanted to terminate us it was uh, like it was in their plans. It's it's a shame because there there definitely was another season there, and it would have been amazing to to, to really cap all that off. And there the, there was other stuff you could have done. For oh, sure. there was so much fun we could have had with it. You know, we could have had a great time with it. Um, making turning it into Superman, you know, because yeah. he ended up as Superman. He's an older character, and I would have been punching people out to just like you know, let's change this show and really make it fun the way I was talking about, and uh, we would have had a great time. All good things come to an end, though, right? Absolutely. Well, that's true. <laughs> have have well speaking speaking to that point. Have you ever been tempted to return to the world of Superman? Or would is there another Superman related role that you'd be interested in playing at some point? If you know what? I would love to play like, uh, you know, Superman's father in like the movie or something like that. I'm the right. I'm the right age. You look too young, man. <laughs> you look too young. <laughs> of the actors. Um, I was interestingly the oldest person to play Superman and I played it I played the youngest character. Yeah. Actually I I, I was going to ask you about that. So you were I think 30 or around 30 years of age when yeah, you were cast. Yeah. And 
obviously Christopher Reeve was about 26 I think Rob wasn't he when he, he was, he was 24 when he was cast and he was 26 when the movie came out yeah so. so basically all of the people that came after me I played the youngest character and I was cast the oldest to play the youngest character was that daunting to you at the time were no. you kind of like how am I going to play someone 10 years you know you know I'm like you know how how is that going to work like I'd just be curious to know the process there well you know what you guys would know I mean you guys are big drinkers over there. I mean, getting to the pub is a big deal. <laughs> and I don't know if, like, you, they let you into a pub. I don't know what the age is. But because I <laughs> yeah. always looked young, I could never go into a bar or anything like this. So I knew I always looked young for my age. So it was kind of just normal business for me to play somebody young. It was just like, oh, okay. Um, I look young, so I'm going to play this role. I mean, what am I going to do? I mean, what I looked at that thing that you were telling me about, that uh, thing that's still on the internet, which was like the – the, mm-hmm. pr- the promo case, kind yeah. of thing that they did. And yeah. I looked and I went, holy crap. I look like I'm about 16 <laughs> years old. And I was like 30 or 31 years old. I said, this is ridiculous. I look like a baby there. But, you know, you got to go with your, with what you've got. I always, I looked young. I just, you know, nothing I could do about it. It got me the job. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when you, when you speak to playing the part of Superman's father, would you prefer Jonathan Kent or, or Jor-El? Oh, Jarrell for sure. The brand, the Brando role. That's a very cool role. <laughs> uh, the last thing I, I wanted to ask you this earlier on about George Lazenby, Gerard. That there is an amazing fight sequence. George Lazenby played uh, an, an alien impersonating Jarrell, and he's wearing the Jarrell suit. And you have this fight with him when you, when you realize, which was very goofy. When I hit him, he like goes like, uh, right. And, and that's exactly <laughs> what I want to ask. He, I knew it. I knew it. I knew that was coming. You, <laughs> You punch him and he lands on this uh, truck and he kind of slides off the truck. And I've always been fascinated. Is that actually George Lazenby sliding off the truck or is it a dummy or a stunt man? No, that was probably a stunt man. Okay. All right. Okay. They wouldn't do that to George. Some of the women yeah. wanted to do that to George, but we wouldn't, didn't want to do that to George. Um, so, Gerard, just to say it again, you are going to be at Rhode Island Comic Con November 3rd to 5th, obviously signing autographs, taking photographs for anybody who wants to go. I think tickets are available on the website. Um, and I think you can even order online autographs as well if you're not in the position to attend the uh, the Comic Con. That's normally the, the, the setup there. Um, so, uh, Gerard, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, on All Star Superfan. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you so much. I mean, I enjoyed it. And your questions were like really great. I mean, this was fun. A lot of fun. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Super duper. Mr. Gerard Christopher, I, I was so paranoid about calling him Gerard all the time because it's such an Irish way to pronounce it. That's how you say it here. Yeah, Gerard. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, what a nice guy. Man, I have to say, I, I'm I'm not always big on interviewing actors. Uh, I, you know, generally I find that they don't take the content as seriously as we do. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they look down on it. They look like it was just a gig. You know, that they're not as interested. I've met a lot of Superman actors before. I met Dean Cain. I met a bunch of people. And generally, they're, they're kind of like, okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, that was an interesting job I had 20 years ago. Yeah. Whatever, you know. He was so, like, he had so much to say about it. Yeah. I was fascinated listening to that guy. And, you know, the, the listeners don't know this. After we'd finished recording, he showed us his whole room full of props that he has. 
And yeah. I was like, oh, by any chance, uh, you know, there's a Kryptonian crystal in the final episode. And he was like, you mean this? And he just pulls <laughs> it up and it was the exact one. It was yeah, crazy. He, he had it in like a in like a glass case, preserved perfectly. Because I was about to say, Rob, there's no way he knows what you're talking about. There's no and way he knows what I'm talking about. And he had the exact there it was. one. Uh, yeah, he's got a he's got a series set up in his in his house. But I, to be honest, um, we we uh, we were contacted about having Gerard on a while ago, Gerard on a while ago, and um, yeah, I was like, absolutely, let's get him on. But like that, I didn't know. You don't know when you meet these people. You know, you no. go from a, a black screen to suddenly they're in front of you on the screen, and you don't know if it's something that they hate talking about, if it's something that they kind of look back with kind of disinterest. He loved every minute of talking about it and you could see it in him i said it in the in the recording you could see it in him that uh 30 years later 30 plus years later he he really looks back on a family very similar to how mark pillow kind of looks back on his his time yeah um in the in the black cape um but yeah i i thoroughly enjoyed the interview i had a great time yeah no absolutely and like n- not only does he look back on it fondly and i don't think this is an important thing by the way but mm-hmm. he's a huge superman fan like, yeah. I said Jeepers one time, and he said, oh, that's just what Jimmy Olsen says. Like, yeah. that's crazy that someone picked yeah. up on that. Like, And the guy know. the guy looks phenomenal. I mean, yeah, he, he does. is. Yeah. He's caught. He's ripped. He he looks like he's about 20 years younger than, than he is. Um, he does not look 64 at all. No. Like, I, I look as old as he does. <laughs> Like he, uh, yeah, I, I, I couldn't get over it. Yeah, but it's, it was just, it was really interesting to, to, to hear his take on certain things and, you know, his, his dislike of, you know, I found it very interesting when he was talking about how he liked the bigger world stuff. And you could see that, like mm. you said, in Wish for Armageddon and his writing yeah. in that episode and that, that's what it, that's what he liked to do. He liked to focus on the kind of globe. Now, I know me and you like, I like the small Superman moments and the little things yeah. and the little conversations and the little, that's always what draws, well, that's what draws me to Superman now, not so much when I was a kid. Um, but uh, yeah, I I I, th- I thoroughly enjoyed it, and like we said, for anybody who wants to to get an autograph or meet him or shake his hand, I'd highly recommend it. It's Rhode Island Comic Con, uh, November third to fifth, and like I said, I think you can get like uh, autographs online and stuff if that's your yeah. if that's your if that's your jam. And I, I would stress just once again, we keep saying it like those final two seasons of Superboy are a kick-ass Superman show, and like yeah. I feel like nobody ever gets that far into it because the first two are so dodgy and like yeah. the second season as well i think is also quite dodgy like it's it's yeah. very ropey it's very silly it's very campy well the second season is still really a first season yeah 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 because it's yeah 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 and like he even made the point like a, a lot of superboy fans will tell you oh mr mix's piddling is comic accurate version and all that like no it's ridiculous it's silly yeah. it's it is not done well you know yeah. but you get into season three and it's kick ass and it's you know it's it's darker it's timeless it's kind of noirish and they do really really cool stuff and roads not taken you know cool bizarro stuff that we've talked about before lex luthor's amazing like just go straight to those episodes they're really really good you can find them on streaming if you look hard enough you can find the dvds mm-hmm. if you don't want to do that the internet's a vast place that's all i'm going to say um so just check out superboy man it's you know and i'm never gonna make fun of superboy ever again after that well <laughs> like, i was I, I love it i came home i i knew you love it because i came home from the th- i went to the theater last night in dublin and i came home and my wife went to bed and uh i sat down and i i, I put on some superboy dvds um which i was lovingly given last christmas and i watched young dracula and i watched wish for yeah. armageddon and a couple of other episodes and i was actually uh live texting with matt truex at the time 
um, and we were chit-chatting about Lois and Clark and Superboy and all that kind of stuff and yeah I have to say man I, I really enjoyed just sitting there you know some of it was silly like that werewolf is awful um, in werewolf a good um, episode but not a good, good werewolf good episode <laughs> I have such a crush on that actress who plays yes. the werewolf though um, but uh, yeah Marshall, Hellraiser just, 3 and the Flash Pilot yeah and the Flash Pilot that's where I knew her, knew her from um, but yeah I, had, I really enjoyed it you know and it's you know some of the episodes are, are, are kind of goofy and you're like oh you know this is but it's, it's, it's just fun it's fun to watch it and I really enjoy it and I like how seriously he took it and I you know he, he acknowledged the influence of say Batman 89 uh, on the show which you know is is evident in it when you're watching the, the the series and you know yeah just just generally you know he's Lois and Clark story I know that we've we've mentioned that before and stuff so yeah I, I yeah I really enjoyed the interview and he was just a genuinely nice down-to-earth lovely guy absolutely um really really got a lot out of that so delighted to have him on and hopefully he comes back on like there's there's plenty of other super voice stuff we can talk about um, yeah we, we got a really interesting letter that I'd like to read before we close, if that's okay with you. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, so a guy, and, and, it's, and it's, it's actually, uh, it's, it's ideal because we, we, this came from a discussion about Superboy. I didn't see this one, I don't think, did I? Yeah, no, I, did... I think you, you were talking to this guy originally and then I picked it up. So this guy, uh, Zachary Burkhalter, I think is his name. But Zachary Burkhalter uh, touched base to tell us that he found uh, Superboy season one in a flea market. Oh, he yes. Decided, he decided to buy it uh, because, uh, you know, he'd heard us talk about it so much. And uh, Alan, you kind of warned him that, look, season one isn't very I was good. like, be drunk, be intoxicated, be inebriated. Uh, I, I followed up by saying that even though season one is objectively bad, there's a lot of stuff I really like about it. Uh, I, you know, I think there, there, there's there's episodes that I really like and I listed a couple of episodes and he came back and said, I, you know what, I actually really liked it and I've started season two. But then yeah. he went on, he sent us this second message where he said, I, I wanted to share the story of the genesis of my Superman fandom. I think you guys might like it. And I, I thought it was very important that we read this out. I actually, I actually haven't, I didn't see this message. I'm just looking at it now while yeah. you're reading it. So he, he writes, when I was eight in the year 2002, my best friend and his sister were in a car accident on the way to school and she was paralyzed from the neck down. Oh, Jesus. When they finally got her home, my dad took me to visit them. And on the wall was a letter the family got from Christopher Reeve essentially just saying how sorry he was and how his foundation was working towards a solution. My dad pointed to it and said, look, it's a letter from Superman. And for an eight-year-old, Superman was 100% a real person in that moment. A couple of months later, I heard about this show called Smallville uh, that, that involved Superman and my fate was sealed forever. Just thought I'd share, take care. I, I just, I, that, that was another one of those letters where I just went, wow, can you imagine that? That, that someone took the time to write that and yeah. that moment happened in their life. Just amazing. Really, really yeah. liked reading that. So thanks, Zachary. Yeah, thanks, Zachary. That's that's great. And it, it kind of speaks to when we were talking in the episode there to Gerard. And I was saying, I, I always have respect for people who treat the character with a certain weight. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I know Christopher Reeve always did that. And then he embodied the character so much after his accident. And that's a prime example of it, really, isn't it? And um, by the way, I, I should stress this, that the, the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation, you can make donations anytime mm-hmm. you like. And you can make like a tiny donation. Like consider making one now. Like send them a dollar. Like whatever it is. My, my father works for uh, Spinal Injuries Ireland, uh, which is a charity here. It's kind of the equivalent charity. And he's 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 kind of gone to kind of conferences with the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation. And they would be seen as kind of like the 
the main uh, foundation in the field of paralysis research and all that kind of stuff. And they, they do just so much incredible work around all of that sort of stuff because Christopher Reeve was just able to use his status to, to, to really pioneer all of that. So yeah. by all means, anytime you're kind of enjoying the Christopher Reeve movies, consider just throwing <clears throat> a dollar, you know, or, or more at them and just, 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 just sending money to that because it's such an important cause that 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 they that they fight for. And we might actually amazing. put a we might actually put a link to the to the to the, to the charity on our socials. Maybe Absolutely. we haven't we've never yeah. done I never thought of doing that, and that that'd be a nice way to 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 do it as well. Um, yeah, excellent. So we have uh, a few more episodes coming up before the end of the year. We hope you'll all enjoy those. We won't go into too much detail. We'll keep them a, a little bit of a surprise but uh we have some you know we're talking about a, a classic movie from maybe the 1980s we're going to talk about maybe a more modern show modern you say on all-star superfan podcast what um but yeah it's uh, a lot of great content still to come awesome stuff um so you can follow us on facebook and instagram at all-star superfan on twitter at all-star superpod you can also send us an email or a voice note to allstarsuperpod at gmail.com and being with the chance of being included in a future metropolis mailbag and uh, please we, all- by the way we are on allstarsuperfan.bluesky.com now as well oh excellent um please also remember to rate and review the podcast wherever you listen uh, especially uh, apple Podcasts. as we said before it really really helps us out um so yeah Gerard Christopher, everybody. Uh, thanks to Gerard for coming on. Rob? I saw you flying here. Who are you? <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had to do it. Take care, everybody. Stay safe. Stay super. Bye-bye. <laughs>